So here's a dirty little secret. I'm not an awesome dancer. <laughs> That's what you can admit it was, here, just us. No, I was I was looking. Yeah, I know. I was looking. All the all the yeah, I know. I'm sorry, guys. You've been listening to me all this time. No, but I was looking at the list of your list of episodes. Like, awesome dancer, awesome dancer, awesome dancer, awesome dancer, awesome dancer, and awesome musician, awesome dancer, and awesome musician, awesome dancer, and awesome musician, awesome dancer. I mean, I love to dance, and. You know, people. I think people often expect me to 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 be a great, a really great dancer because by association, mm-hmm. like my godfather's John yeah. Lewis, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> but I've never. I've just always been a musician. Yeah. I love to dance, but and I can I can do very respectable Kalimian dancing, which and I'm get, difficult. Which is difficult, but but it's like my natural body language, yeah. and I've I've just never learned how to dance anything else. Well, I can and I can. I can I can do. I think I'm just good enough at like dance like uh, the cierto that I I will get I will get up and do it mm-hmm. in public when I'm there and I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's kind of where it ends. And I can I can dance a pretty mean zebekiko and a pretty a pretty mean karsilama. But that's just because I lived in Boston for 15 years and my my Greek music experience there was hanging out with people from Mitilini. And mm-hmm. you know, and the descendants of people from Mithilini. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'm not a great dancer. I and I love it. It's so mm-hmm. much fun. Yeah. I love like jumping into a line of people dancing like a baidushka or, or whatever, you know, things right. that I just don't know. I couldn't tell you how to dance a baidushka right now. I mean once I'm in the I go, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And then people yeah. are like, You're so calumnian. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're not. Yeah, it's like you're not supposed to do that <laughs> that way. I'm like, that's just but, how I'm uh, expressing it. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, my point. My point is that I mean, I kind of wish I was a good dancer because if I was, I would start like a Greek dance class on Tuesday nights here in Tallahassee, yeah. because you know there's a fairly large Greek community here. I mean, they're mostly from um, Patmos, I think. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Kalinians went to Tarpon Springs and Patnians came to Tallahassee. Um, hmm. But it's interesting seeing the contrast because the Greek community here has largely, you know, whatever the word is that we, you know, assimilated or, you know, mm-hmm. the Greek language is not terribly strong. They're not really terribly active in terms of traditional culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's fairly typical of a lot of um, old communities, right? Um, okay. But I wish, you know, I, hey, any any kids out there who are great dancers who are thinking about where you want to go to college, you could come to Florida State. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> start, start a start, dance program. Yeah, start a, start a dance group. I mean, yeah. Anyway. Recruitment efforts yeah. for class of 2020, Ab- whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What that, anyway. Yeah. So so maybe like, don't, yeah, maybe no don't boy. come here right now. <laughs> this is not a great place to be right now at this particular <laughs> moment in time. Give it a year yeah. or so. <laughs> yeah, Florida's yeah. Little, South Florida is is a little wild right now too. So. Yeah, I I know it. Whole state. Um, I know it. But. I wanna I wanna shift gears a little sure. bit. Totally. I wanna just kind of get a little bit more. Um, I, maybe basic information, but I'm curious what instruments uh, what instruments you play. What what are your favorites? What kind of I want to hear a little bit more about that. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Well, I play, I play all of the, um, I play all of the percussion instruments, all the Greek percussion instruments. I grew up as a drummer, and so I, you know, anything with sticks, but also hand drums, right? Um, but I, mostly in terms of Greek music, what I focus on is I play the violin. Okay. I play violin. I play Kalimnian and Cretan music on on the violin. I also play the laguto and the still string lute. Again, the Kalimian style, which is this very particular way of, I mean, you even have to, I think anyway, you you even have to set up the instrument a little bit differently to get the right sound. Um, And I also play uh, the Cretan, Western Cretan music on the laguto. I also play the bulgari, which is, um, I mean, I can show it to you, but People listening won't see it. <laughs> it's, a it's it's a it's the it's a long necked lute. It's kind of like an old fashioned three quarter bouzouki, 
but it's it's mm -hmm. carved out of a single piece of mulberry wood and it has tied on frets. If you've heard of Stelios Fustalieris, who is a Cretan uh, singer, music, he's the one who popularized the song Oso Varun da Sidera. He was from Rethymno, right? That song, that's the lute he played. It's it's undergoing a, or kind of a revival on Crete right now. It's very similar to the Turkish saz. It has that kind of sound. Okay. Um, and I play mandolin and guitar and pretty much any plucked string instrument. Um, and I play the tzabuna, the goatskin bagpipe from Kalimno. So I only play Kalimnian music on it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's about it. I mean, I play good, you know, I play guitars and, and drums and bass yeah. and accord accordion in other types of music, but not, not Greek music. What's your um, favorite non-Greek musical uh, inspiration? Like, who's who's an inspiration oh, my, for you? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there's so many. I mean, yeah. There could I mean, be multiple. It's fine. Yeah, there's multiple because, you know, I mean, I so I play a lot of Irish traditional music. I grew up doing that. Um, there's so many musicians who I really love. Um, but just to, to be local, um, there's a fiddle player from Dublin, Ireland, mm -hmm. uh, named James Kelly, who's lived in Miami for probably close to 50 years at this point, I think, 45 years or something like that. He's one of the most amazing musicians in Irish traditional music, He's a mentor and friend and inspiration of mine. Um, I lived in Brazil for several years, um, and I, I researched Brazilian accordion music from the Northeast, and so there, there are some musicians there. There's a guy named Luizinho Calixto, who is a huge influence on me as a musician and as a composer. I also compose a lot of music. Um, I also play a lot of uh, like surf rock, mm -hmm. like instrumental surf, if you think like Pulp Fiction soundtrack kind sure. of thing. <laughs> Miserlou, right? Yeah. Thick yeah, Dale. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of those musicians are big influences on me. One of the biggest is actually a Cretan American uh, surf rock pioneer named George Mamalatis, hmm. who was from the San Francisco Bay Area, but he had a band called the Tridents, Poseidon reference, right. uh, okay. in, the, in, the early, in the early 1950s in Santa Barbara. Um, and or, or the late 1950s, I should say, um, and so he's he's one of my big influences, and he's a he's a buddy of mine. We have like four hour long Zoom calls all the time, <laughs> <laughs> talking about Cretan music and surf guitar and that kind of thing. So there's just so many there's so many musicians. I mean, and I I really believe this as a as a musician as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, I think we, no matter what we do, I mean, as somebody who, like I said, when I play Greek music, I'm very hyper focused on. Kalimnian and Cretan music. But I also recognize that the people who I idolize, the people who I study, they were very, mm -hmm. very open-minded artists. I mean, especially my violin teacher, uh, Manolis Manudachis in Crete, who's now, God, he must be 86 or 87. Mm. Still going strong, he's an amazing <laughs> player. But, you know, he was telling me when he was a kid, when he was coming up, you know, I was asking him what kind of stuff did y'all play, and he's like, "Well, you know, reg normal music," by which he meant sirta and pentozali. <laughs> but he's also, "Yo, we played kalamatiana, we played samika, we played waltzes and tangos and polkas, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what people wanted to hear, you know." Yeah. And he's like, "You know, I, oh, I used to play a lot with this great clarinet player." I'm like, "What? Mm. In Hanya in the 1950s, you played with a clarinetist?" He's like, "Yeah." There's a guy who played. I mean, his parents were refugees. He was a refugee from. Smirni or something, and he was a mm -hmm. clarinet player and, you know, grew up here. He played Sirta. They played him on the clarinet. He was great. You should, I wish there was a recording of him, but there's not. You know, and so even in these traditions that we tend to think of, because our experience is so filtered through frozen media, right? Yeah. Through rec recordings and films and stuff that we can engage with over and over and over and over and over and over again, and they don't change, you know? Mm -hmm. We think, well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, like we get we we get this frozen we get this frozen like idea of what the what the world was you know and mm -hmm. what these traditions were but they've they've always been living breathing things entities that are interacting with the rest of the world and giving and taking 
So I just yeah. tried to, I tried to always remember that and be inspired by whatever, you know, in my approach to playing guitar, people have told me when I'm playing like, you know, I play like jazz and rock guitar type stuff. And people often mm -hmm. say, what do you do? There's something about your tone that you get when you're picking in a certain way that like, it's very different. I'm like, oh, it's because I played buzuki and I played lauto mm -hmm. and I like that's how I, those are the first yeah. string instruments I played. That's how I think about getting sound out of the guitar. Um, that's just one tiny little, you know, example. Mm -hmm. So, so but I don't know. Somebody, I just, but that's like, that's the, that's the crazy thing is somebody listens to a recording of you 30, 40 years from now and they're like, well, this is the way to play. <laughs> You know, but and that's how this all happens because mm -hmm. you know there's there's a whole context to it that you don't always have the full story. But yeah, you know, well, maybe in, yeah, maybe in forty years we'll have like you know holodecks like on the Starship right. Enterprise. <laughs> you can go back into it. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think um, there's so much to be inspired by. There's so much to there's so much to learn from. And I just mm -hmm. think that the important thing is to be open, open-minded, always to be open-minded and always to be, always to be humble, realist, always to be realistic. I mean, not to be humble as like, you know, a being humble thing, but like a, mm -hmm. to be realistic and to realize that, you know, everything's always changing all the time. There's, there's endless, there are endless opportunities to learn and just to, to be as conscious as we can about the decisions we make. Sometimes decisions get made for you. Sometimes circumstance, yeah. oftentimes every day, circumstances present themselves and you have you have an opportunity to go, to choose your own adventure, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I don't know. Can you tell us a little bit about your book that's coming out? Oh, sure, yeah. So I, my, so I wrote a book that's being published soon, this fall, probably September or October. 2021 uh, with the University of Michigan Press. Mm -hmm. It's called Echoes of the Great Catastrophe, subtitle Resounding Anatolian Greekness in Diaspora. So very typically academic title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, um, so it's basically, um, it's, a, it's a historical and contemporary anthropological study of the legacy of late Ottoman era Asia Minor Greek social values. So this, what we call plural, you know, cultural pluralism, um, mm -hmm. intercommunality. So living in this space, this context in which people of very different, of ostensibly very different cultural, religious, political backgrounds were living in relative harmony or it, that there was a situation that worked and mm -hmm. people made concessions and compromises um, in the interest of, of social cohesion and social harmony. So how all, the, how all of those values have persisted and survived in the music and dance traditions of the refugees and their descendants who left Asia Minor in the 1920s after the Greco-Turkish War. So um, it's really an examination of um, the fluidity that I perceive in the way that a lot of people, the people I was interacting with in the Boston area, for example, mm -hmm. when I when I took a I spent three months on Lesbos and Mithilini doing, doing research there, I, I really perceive this fluidity in their sense of their identity as, as members of the Greek diaspora. And I think there's a lot of really concrete stuff about the music and dance traditions that have to do with that. Um, and it's not only it's not only the fact that a huge part of the repertoire is associated with other ethnic groups, right? Like Turks, mm -hmm. Sephardic Jews, um, you know, Levantine Europeans, um, Arabs, Persians, mm -hmm. etc. It's not only that. I, I also perceive a lot of structural things in the music um, that are that are are really compelling and tell a very different story about Greek identity in the, in the United States and in the in the post the post Asia Minor catastrophe diaspora than the story that we've often heard and been mm -hmm. told. So so I'm trying to make a contribution to this conversation about what it means to be Greek in the 21st century almost exactly 100 years after the greatest 
political and humanitarian disaster in modern Greek history. Um, wow. which is, yeah. And so it's, I'm really excited about it. I think it's an interesting yeah. book. It's got, I discovered a lot of really cool um, primary source materials, a, um, a giant collection of, of handwritten music scores, notations that my oh, friend's wow. uh, grandfather wrote in the early part of the 20th century. Um, which a lot of Greek folk music. He was from, from a vil the village of Kapi on Mitilini, which is not very far from um, Mandamatos, which is somewhere mm -hmm. where, the, where the big monastery to um, uh, St. Michael is. Mm -hmm. So it's got, a lot of, it's got a lot of Turkish classical music in it. It's got polkas and waltzes and tangos. And it's even got a snippet of um, the Toreador song from, from Carmen, Bizet's opera Carmen. It's got okay. a lot of kind of light classical parlor music because he was a band leader. He um, he played violin and uh, cornet. Mm -hmm. His brother played trombone. They had a saduri player mm -hmm. and uh, they had another violinist. And as a quartet, they toured all over, you know, the islands and the western coast of Asia Minor, Macedonia, Bulgaria. And that band and they all immigrated together to Lynn, Massachusetts in I want to say 19 I care it was it was before the catastrophe actually mm -hmm. um, but they worked as a band there for a long time playing for Greeks playing for Armenians playing probably playing American popular music you know Tin Pan Alley early swing stuff mm -hmm. um, and so etc I mean that's just one of the case studies in the book but um, I think it's it, uh, hopefully people will be interested in it I tried to write it yeah. in a in a way that's very with a very diverse audience in mind. I want my colleagues to read it and get things out of it, but I also want people who are not academics who are interested in this stuff mm -hmm. to read it and engage with it and be part of the conversation too. And the best part is that because it's University of Michigan Press, it's going to be published not only as a book, which is too expensive because that's the way the academic publishing world is, <laughs> right. because because it's just where every, every yeah. academic press is constantly like trying to stay open. Yeah. Um, but the University of Michigan has made a commitment to um, publish everything in its entirety for free open access online. Wow. So, yeah. So and my book already has a website, even though the text isn't on there yet. Um, but there's going to be links to audio recordings that I'm talking about, links to videos and that kind of thing. So we, I can also share that link with you all if, if you think the listenership would be interested. Oh, I definitely think so. We can put yeah. that all of that in the show notes as well. Cool. Oh, that's so awesome. What an yeah. interesting thought, you know, because as you were, something you said sort of flung my mind to Lesbos today with okay. the refugees who are yes. there. And I, I think I had seen a friend posting about um, some Greek Americans going there and doing like yeah. a volunteer project and learning how to make some sort of, I'm not sure what cultural background this food was from but like traditional food items yeah. from a different culture in Greece and I was like cool. I, I wonder you know 60 years from now 75 yeah. years from now how that situation with yeah. you know m mostly Syrian refugees right in, in Lesbos and stuff is going what the impact will be on the culture and you know yeah. the dance and the music and even the language because there's I'm yeah. sure there's infusion in the language um, of, you know, different ways of, of saying things, you know, um, and I, I love that your book is going back in time and looking, you know, at, at another situation. I think that'll be really interesting to read about. It's definitely something I, I don't have much knowledge of myself. Yeah, I had a lot of very profoundly emotionally affecting conversations mm -hmm. with, with people when I was doing the research for this book. I, so I wasn't on, I went, I was in, I was on Lesbos for three months in, God, now I can't, maybe the summer of 2015, 14 or 15, I can't remember, but it was before the main mm -hmm. wave. So I, I, so my book is not explicitly about my own experiences mm -hmm. with, with any contemporary refugees. Sure. Um, but my book is very much about, in a, in a lot of specific ways, the reaction the response on the part of the Asia Minor Greek community in the United States, especially in the Boston area, to mm -hmm. that crisis. 
Um, I wrote it. There's a lengthy, there's a whole chapter really in the book that's about that. And there's a lengthy um, part that's about um, my account of a concert that we did. One of the very, very, very first benefit concerts that I think anybody did, certainly in the Greek community, to raise mm-hmm. money for um, the Mithilini General Hospital, the, mm-hmm. the uh, Lesvos Society up in Maine um, sponsored this, this thing. And we went and played, and we, as myself and, and my friends, one of the band leader, this guy, Dean Lambros, who's a Sanduri player, his, he's of lesbian ex, uh, extraction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I talked to a lot of people who are the children, you know, a lot of elderly people who are the children of refugees. Who, and to see their how committed they were to doing everything they could, everything they could to help these people, mm-hmm. um, was really inspiring mm-hmm. and really wonderful. And um, I, yeah, I, 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 there's so much, there's so much work to be done. There's so much work to be done on the part of members of this diaspora to understand, Mm -hmm. to interrogate even, I mean, not in a aggressive way, but maybe sometimes in a, maybe it's, it's sometimes we need to be more aggressive in interrogating who we are as, as a people, you know, as a community, as Greek Americans, Um, you know, it's, and you know, a lot of that has to do with where you grow up and your cultural references, you know, the Greek American, the Greek American experience in New York city, is very different from the Greek American experience in Chicago, which is different from the Greek American experience in Seattle or LA, which is very different, different from the Greek American experience in the deep South, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and one of the, my next major project is all about that, is actually a, about the role that traditional music and dance in this community here in the South has played in the transition, in the story of the Greek transition to ethnic, whiteness to being white people, you know, which we weren't a hundred years ago. I mean, my community was, Mm -hmm. my community was terrorized by the, by the Ku Klux Klan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they were burning crosses and sponge boats and Mm -hmm. (laughs) kinds of things. I have, I always remind young people, Mm -hmm. I say, y'all know when and where and why a HEPA was founded. It was founded in Atlanta, Georgia, 1922 to, to, protect Greeks against the Klan, against yeah. racial, against hate, racial hate crimes, you know? Like we, we need to remember that history, yeah. you know? Yes. And, you know, so, so I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm in a really privileged position having do the work that I do, the work I want to do at a large public university in, not just in the South, but in my home state. Mm-hmm. You know, my family's like play anchor as Americans, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I just, I want to, I just, I want conversations. I want dialogue. You know, I want us all to get in the same room and, you know, as Archbishop Athenagoras famously said, there's a statue of him on the campus of Holy Cross in Brookline mm-hmm. with a, with a quote of his, Elate come, let us look each other in the eyes like that's what we need to do mm-hmm. and there is I don't think there's any better way yeah. for us to do this than through our shared participatory celebratory art traditions you know cultural traditions and mm-hmm. not just music and dance our our culinary traditions you know other things that we do so. yeah because you establish that level of comfort with people yeah right yes. and especially today with you know how society is and and there's there's hesitancy to i think talk to people about what ethnic whiteness means right (laughs) um you know and i'm not trying to like ride a line or or whatever but um i think people are are hesitant to listen to that and hesitant to hold on to the history that their families have um you know with their their greekness and with their whether you want to call it assimilation or not, they're blending into the American culture, however that may have happened. And the reality is, is that we have experience with, experiences with that that are at our parents' generation. So it, it's, it's knocking on our back door. Like, it did not happen that long ago. It may still happen. And 
once you're comfortable with people, you can talk about that. Because if you bring Absolutely. it up with someone who you're not comfortable with, it gets taken very much the wrong way, you know? Um, Precisely. I do know. And I, I think there's also, at the same time, we have to recognize that multi-generational, like inherited trauma mm-hmm. is a very real thing. Yes. It's a very, it's a very real thing. And there's compelling evidence that it's something that sticks around at the cellular level. And that is, that is uh, passed on, you know, that is inherited. Um, and I really, I really saw a lot of evidence of that. Like I said, be spending a lot of time around the children and grandchildren of refugees from mm-hmm. Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to some of the conversations I had and some of the analogies that they were making. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I remember we were playing, and I write about this in the book, we were playing at the, in Butte, Montana. Mm. We, were, we were performing with a, a great singer from the Boston area, Sofia Bilidis, Bilidu, um, who is the, the granddaughter of refugees. Um, and we were doing this Asia Minor repertoire, you know, kind of old Smirneta, Rebetica, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And we were playing at the, the Montana Folk Festival. You know? mm. And so for a very different audience than we usually play this music, you know, but there were a couple of Greeks there. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of people drove hours and hours because they saw there was a Greek name on the on the bill. Mm-hmm. And we were talking to this woman afterwards who um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked. But she was she was the granddaughter of refugees from somewhere in Asia Minor, right across mm-hmm. from probably from Ivali or something. But she also had a grand a grandmother who um, was a First Nations uh, Canadian native person. Mm-hmm. And. Um, when her Greek grandmother saw they went to a powwow or something. Oh no, I'm wrong. She married a, she married a man who was a first an indigenous person, and they went to some kind of camp out or powwow. And mm-hmm. her grandmother saw the the how the teepees mm-hmm. and was traumatized mm-hmm. by it because she just broke down and had like a panic attack. And she explained that they remind me of the tents that we lived in when I was a little girl when after we were, you know, after we mm-hmm. had to leave and we were in a refugee camp on Lesbos, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I think that that's just one example of how, you know, common human experience can, can really teach us a lot, I think, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So, it can also know. make us, you know, think how lucky we are that, you know, we're sitting here on a Sunday morning chatting about, you know, our, our, passions surrounding Greek culture and, and how lucky it is that we don't have those experiences, you know, that yeah. we can talk about this freely and we can, we can dive into these conversations because we don't yeah. have that trauma behind us, you know? It's, yeah. It's yeah. very wild. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an yeah, anthropologist. Really I don't claim yeah. to know really anything a sliver about this, but yeah. I think what you said, you know, that this, there's an impact on the cellular level. Absolutely. I, I also would, you know, the Maria theory of this is that Greek dance culture that drive to envelop that in your life is also driven by something way deeper than just oh my God, you know, yes. like your heart set motivation. Um, it's like written in the stars. And I kind of joke about that because um, Evan and I have both recently had like a, a natal <laughs> chart reading, you know, they take oh, cool. when you're born and yeah, yeah, yeah. wicked cool stuff. Um, and that was like lighting up like crazy in both of our charts. And we, we had these readings done separately, like that drive to be connected yeah. to your culture and your family yeah. and your history. Yes. It's, it's so much yes. deeper than just surface level. It's oh so my God. Deeper. Yes. No, it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. But I, but we have, I think we have the power to make a decision about what kind of everything it is, you know, mm-hmm. like how we, how we harness that energy, how we harness that power and what, and what work we do in the world with it, you know, sure. because, because whether or not we're consciously thinking about it, even if the most like, you know, selfish navel gazing person is still doing a lot of work in the world with the way they behave, the way they interact with others, the decisions they make. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think coming back to something I probably said right at the beginning of this conversation, I think like if we if we consciously focus on what we perceive as the underlying, the core values mm-hmm. that 
these practices that these traditions are governed by, um, that's a powerful thing. That's a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I keep doing it. That's why I keep doing it. That's why I do it. You know, I sit here by myself and, you know, I don't have any Kalimnian or Cretan music buddies here in, in in the Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of Tarpon Springs, um, you know, but I'm, so I, you know, I mostly, most of the music making I do in terms of Greek stuff is me sitting here, you know, playing by myself or playing for my kids or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, fe- that keeps me, that keeps me going. It keeps me alive. And I know that I'm, thank God, I happen to come here where I'm four hours from home where I can, I can roll into town and can be like a, a Tsabuna party within right. 15 minutes. <laughs> I just send a group text. Exactly. I'm coming. <laughs> like, bring bring the usual. <laughs> right. I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that, that is, like... That's the best feeling. <laughs> it's such a powerful thing to, like... I, I, it's, I don't even know how to put it to words, but it's, it's just so moving to, like... Knowing that you know, myself personally, I've experienced these moments when yeah. I'm able to make that connection for somebody else or to be a part of somebody else making that connection to that deeper level of meaning to it yeah. all. Like that to me is that success in what I'm doing. If, yeah. if my actions bring somebody else into this amazing world that I've experienced, that that's the ultimate reward. And it's, yeah. you know, like talk and, and like every time we do a podcast and we talk about it and I, I get to talk to people that see it the same way who've experienced it. It just like, it lights everything up for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. I know. I remember so vividly the first time I met people of my generation who are interested in this stuff, who were not, Kalimians from Tarpon Springs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, in my gen, I'm the only, I'm really the only person of my generation in the Tarpon Springs Creek community who does, who plays this, who plays traditional Greek music. And when I say traditional, I mean, you know, what we call folk music, like sure. leaving aside popular yeah. Greek, like Buzuki music. There's several great Buzuki players of my generation. But I'm the only one who um, really has consistently done it and stuck with it um, without giant gaps of not doing it, you know? I'm the only one in that community. There's, there are countless amazing dancers. There are many fantastic singers, but there are no instrumentalists. That community is not producing instrumentalists. And so I've made it, you know, I'm trying to do what I can to, to cultivate that. But I, I vividly remember the first time I encountered people my roughly my age who were playing traditional Greek music on instruments, mm-hmm. on traditional instruments. I mean, Americans, Greek Americans. And, you know, they've all been on your podcast, you know, <laughs> you know, Emily and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and Mitsu. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I met them at some, I think there was a winter dance conference in yeah. Tarpon Springs sometime in the early 2000s you know we were there and all these what's that we were there oh you were there cool (laughs) yeah so we probably met you know um but i remember like i think ziga you know christos guvetas and those guys were there yeah um and so i met them for the first time and then i met but then i met these kids you know and they Mm -hmm. were younger than me but you know and i was like i just could not believe i was like oh my god and it was also the first time I had really heard um, such like all these different kinds of Greek folk music being performed live in one place, mm-hmm. you know, such so now that I'm thinking it, it might have been earlier than 2001. But anyway, um, it just blew my mind. You know, I had been around tons of Kalimian music mm-hmm. and I'd been around tons of Buzuki music. That's about it, you know, which is funny, which is an interesting experience for a member of the Greek diaspora. But I think it's because I'm, you know, I'm a half breed, you know, like, and I, you know, my dad's Irish and I spent all this time around Irish music and around other things. And I didn't really grow up in a Greek, I didn't have a typical like Greek American upbringing, 
You know, my dad was in the air, my dad was in the Air Force. We moved around a lot. Um, I learned how to speak Greek really well, but that was on my own initiative, really. You know, just mm-hmm. consciously hanging out with Greek people. Like for example, my brother is a fantastic musician. Um, he didn't play any Greek music really, and he doesn't really speak Greek. He's, it's just not something that has been important to him. Um, so I had this very kind of weird experience with the whole, you know, thing. And I, I think I've probably, even though I've lived the vast majority of my life in this country, I think I've probably, probably 80% of my Greek music and dance experiences have been in Greece, mm-hmm. right? Or in this, or in this totally like completely Kalinian like environment in Tarpon. Um, so I just every time, I guess what I mean to say by that is that every time I go to one of these events, I see and hear something completely new to me and it blows my mind. Like yeah. it just blows my mind. There's always you know? something. It's just, it's, it's Depth. insane. Yeah. How, how, how wide and deep the river is, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Oh yeah. We're like I literally just skating on the surface right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's impressive like to me just how it's just endlessly inspiring how how devoted people are to this. And mm-hmm. like nobody well, musicians is a different story, but dan- dancers aren't nobody's like making money doing this, you know? <laughs> I mean, or if they are, right. it's a very it's a very it's just a it's very, very small few. amount. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not that, like in yeah, anyway. But that's I mean, that's I mean, what you were saying about, you know, not a lot of people playing these instruments. We have all these dance programs. We really don't have many places that do music programs. And, um, or at least not in any kind of scale of what the dance programs are that are out there. So, for sure. I don't know if that, I don't know how we fix that, but that would be. Well, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time, actually, because um, growing up around Irish music, you know, Irish, Irish American, you know, music, music in the Irish um, American community has, you know, there's some interesting parallels with the Greek experience, but um, it's very different for all kinds of reasons. I mean, in sheer numbers, of course, and in sheer yeah. just presence in American popular culture and the language thing too, um, you know, I mean, the Irish community, there were a lot of people who came here who didn't speak English, who only spoke Gaelic, but that was a long time ago, you know. Um, but there is because there's so many people who are not of Irish descent or don't identify primarily as Irish Americans who are into Irish music and have and have been into Irish music since the 1960s, since like the folk revival. There's this tremendous network of educational resources, like summer camps, like a week long camp where you go. You know, it's mostly for adults, mm-hmm. but kids go too. Kind of like if you know about the Eastern European Folk Life Center, their camps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have one on the West Coast and one in upstate New York, I think. Yeah. Kind of like mm-hmm. that. But some of them have been going on for 40 years. And it's like a week where you do nothing but live, breathe, eat, sleep, and drink Irish traditional music <laughs> and dance, you know? And it's amazing. I There are people now, like, so when I was a teenager, I was, I was going to those and teaching at them and you know, going and as a, you know, and hanging out at them. And I met, you know, so many people who are some of my best friends and my musical collaborators and colleagues through that network of these pedagogically focused um, festivals. And, you know, there is the Eastern European Folk Life Center thing that they do, but it's like the, the entirety of Balkan and middle, you know, Near Eastern music. But I've thought for a long time that there's a critical mass at this point of energetic people who are Greek Americans who play various styles of music on all these different instruments at a really high level. And mm-hmm. are, and pretty much all of them, I mean, I might be one of the only ones who didn't get in, who didn't come to the music through, through dancing, um, but all of them have a huge amount of experience as teachers and as people being in this pedagogical environment um and so like there's no reason why we shouldn't come together and do like you know you you know how they do those weekend dance festivals but we should do a weekend like music thing yeah you know like come to get some lessons 
to get started on whatever instrument you have or that you want to play. We all have bunches of instruments. We could lend them to people for the weekend. You know, we could figure something out and make something happen. You know, it would be amazing. Um, and I think, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, it's, um, it's funny that you say that because you throw out an idea like that and the planner in me is like, let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Right. I'm down. Tell me the week. Say, it's going to be Greek band camp. <laughs> yes. Like Greek band camp, man. That, that is what, from what I gather, HDF yeah. and FDF is for certain people. For dance. Yeah, for, for certain the people. people. And, and also, I think, for the musicians, too, who come and play when they, after they're done playing with the groups, when they yeah. jam out, like you said, in the hallway or in a room or whatever. So, I mean, I'm Greek Band Camp 2022. Yeah. Down. Count me in. Sure, totally. <laughs> or whenever. Count me in. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, we should talk about it. I mean, but, again, as the center, as the director of the Center for Music of the Americas, I could probably yeah. write a grant or something or, you know. I mean, it would be amazing. Yeah. It would be an amazing thing. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Who knows? And we could do it. In, we could do it in Tarpon Springs, either. I mean, I, I, I'll be there. Um, I'm, yeah. Give me an excuse to finally learn how to play the instruments I have sitting in my closet that do not get enough love. Right. Yeah. Let's but if you make, think about make it, it happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's like everyone we've talked to. All of a lot of the musicians that we've had on the podcast. Yeah. Have whether they've said it directly or indirectly have talked about the preservation of the future for this, you know, or setting people up like Mitsu, he does lessons, you know, he's teaching kids in the Chicago area, um, you know, on specific instruments or whatever he might be doing with them. So if, if there is an option, a vehicle for this that people can, you know, just come to like once a year, I mean, come on, it's going to be great. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and that's and that's part of my mission just as a, as a person. I want to bring yeah. people together and get them, get them in the same room and have them yes. look at each other and talk to each other and make noise together. Right, I think that sounds so do. great. <laughs> yes, we All right, exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hold y'all through it. <laughs> I mean, give me a challenge. I, I right. this is So the relationship that Evan and I have is as, as best friends, Evan is the creative genius and I am the... <laughs> The organizer, right? Ev, awesome. Pinky in the brain. <laughs> Pinky in the brain, exactly. Pinky in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, but it, that's was, that's how this podcast came out too. I was I talking it. to somebody yesterday about our dynamic, and they're like, "So you're the free spirit, and she's the one that brings you back down to earth." I'm like, hey, "Exactly." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I talk well, about passion and emotion. Maria's like, "Okay, let's make this a real thing now." <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's harness, harness it, harness it. Yes. But that's our job, you know, as creative people, right? We have to, you know, uh, and that's another thing that I, I, I want, well, you know, it's, it's kind of a necessity actually to, to, to combine those things in this world that we are working in. Right. Because we're not, this is not like the popular music of our people anymore, really, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's more so that than other things in other places, right? It's still alive in an important way, but it's in a really, it's in a really crucial um, stage of its life cycle, you know? And I really think about it that way. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I'm very wary of the music language analogy for various reasons. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be too cut and dried or too simplistic or misleading. But in this way, it kind of is similar to a language, you know? I mean, languages, they develop out of other languages. They, you got a critical mass of people who do them. Mm-hmm. They get really complicated and then they splinter off and they eventually over centuries or millennia change and turn into something else. You know, mm-hmm. they don't die really. Um, right. So well, some of them do, but um, it's, it's similar with a tradition like this, you know? We're at a crucial stage where we have, we can make conscious decisions. Mm-hmm and take conscious actions based on those decisions that will in a large part determine the direction in which it goes, mm-hmm. you know, the direction in which our children or grandchildren, you know, the places that the direction from which our children and grandchildren encounter it, yeah. of course. you know? Yeah. And so, you know, we got to be proactive and we got to, I just always, I just think the absolute most important thing is emphasizing the, um, creation of those spaces Mm -hmm. 
right? Those Absolutely. inclusive, particip like participatory spaces. And um, there's a lot of amazing work that's been done. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, our parent, our parents' generation, um, parents slash grandparents, the people who started all this stuff in the '70s and '80s, who got got our community back into it. You know, it's amazing to me when I ask, you know, somebody like Lulius or like Joe, um, you know, Kalionidis Graziotti, mm -hmm. like, what was it like when you were a kid? Like, what dances were you learning when you were a little kid? And they're like, you know, the same like four or five made up. Right. dances that everybody learned in the 60s you know there wasn't this you know yeah, you know i can't even remember the dances we did all i remember was the names we called it like yes. the yeah, elephant yeah. dance and like yeah like Living who knows mama. where they came yeah, 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 right? where they exactly. came from who was like "Ooh, i got an idea for a dance and then we're all out there we're doing this dance yay yeah and and now let me make another and i should sign off in a few minutes but let me make another appeal to, well, to everybody listening, that includes the two of you, but but especially to, you know, all of you talented young people out there listening to this who have a, a deep abiding love for and passion for this music and dance. Um, and you're thinking about what you might wanna do for a career, what you might wanna study in college. I mean, we need more we need more scholarship. We need more history being written. We need more ethnography on these traditions. We need more people studying traditional music and especially dance in the Greek yeah. diaspora. There's such, there are a few like shining stars, you know, bright shining pioneers who are doing stuff. Irini Lutzaki um, is an amazing dance anthropologist who does, who's done a huge amount of very important work, for example, on Cret Cretan dance. Um, but we have almost no one writing in English about the Greek American experience of traditional culture. Almost no one, mm -hmm. almost no one. Um, and I, I, I implore you <laughs> to consider it. Mm -hmm. You know, I challenge you to like do some investigation, figure out how you can participate in these conversations, you know? You can study anthropology, psychology, sociology, history, literature, music, you know, all of these things and have your main focus be traditional Greek dance. That is a, that is a viable career option, guys. Think about it. And if anybody has, anybody's listening has questions about how you make this happen in your life, my email address will be in the, uh, mm -hmm. the 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 metadata or whatever we call it, mm -hmm. um, the yeah, show notes, <laughs> right? The show notes, um, and you're always welcome to drop me a line. Find me on Facebook, Panayotis Paddy League. Um, like, please, let's have conversations. That's why I'm here. That's what we're doing. That's why you're listening to this because you want to be part of a conversation that we are having. So, the door is open. Awesome. Walk through. Walk exactly. through. That's awesome. Take that step. That's it. Copiaste. This was so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, um, especially early in the morning. And I know, um, you know, everyone has other stuff going on, but um, I just, you know, when we do these episodes, especially with somebody who may not be as much on the dance side of things, right. I, Ev, I don't know about for you, but it's like they fill my cup because totally yeah it's it makes what my where my passion lay or lies um so much more connected i don't know absolutely. i don't really have the words for it but oh my um, god absolutely i mean what you were saying evan earlier about that your feel your experience when you as a dancer when you're like locked in with the musicians you know yeah when that and i saw your body language you just went like you opened your arms and chest and you're like ah it's like you know <laughs> being struck by like a magical like lightning rainbow you know i mean that's it's the same it's the same thing it's the same yeah, thing yeah. man for like for as a as a musician who understands things about the dance in a particular way but is not really a dancer you know it's the same thing talking to y'all talking to to people who like live and breathe and understand on this deep, deep, deep level, the dancing, you know? Yeah. And that's what I go for. Like when I'm playing, you know, that's what I want. That's mm -hmm. where all of my attention is going is to, mm -hmm. the, is to the dancers and those magical moments, man, especially when somebody who, you know, 
you know, who you've had that experience with so many times. Like I think about, there's a couple dancers in Tarpon, you know? Like we've been playing and dancing together and just hanging out and being people together for, you know, our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. And now there's all these kids who are growing up now who like, that's been like the core of their social life yeah. for their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And that, that cannot, but that can't help, but produce so many magical possibilities. You know, we just have to harness that energy, mm-hmm. you know, and not assume that things are going to happen on their own. You know, we have to be proactive and, and those of us who care and those of us who have the particular skills, you know, and particular talents, we have to, we got to harness them and, and focus them to keep this going. So yes, we will continue having conversations. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for everybody listening, if you could give us a like and a subscribe, that will help us to uh, keep this podcast going. And as usual, we will be back again next week with more Safe Us. Oh,